trusting the mess is just a way of saying you don't have to be perfect. You can make a mess. If you end up with a masterpiece, well done you. That's fabulous. But I don't think that's the purpose of art. Welcome back to Passionista Colorista podcast with me, Isabel Westermark. Today's guest is the fabulous mixed media artist Jane Davenport. She is a well-known artist and tutor and have done five best-selling books about mixed media, journaling and even two coloring books. You might also connect her name with her own brand of art supplies. I did this interview during my last week of vacation back in August and was not prepared for how long it would take me to find the time for editing this interview. I'm so sorry, Jane, but finally I have made it and I have smiled my way through the re-listening of our talk. Jane's passion for colors, mixed media, stationery and animals, among other things, shines through in everything she says. And I hope that you who are listening will be as inspired as I have been. So welcome to Listen and welcome Jane Davenport. I started as a fashion illustrator. When I came out of school, I did my training at fashion school and I started as a fashion illustrator. That morphed into textile design, which morphed into fashion design, which morphed into photography, fashion photography and styling the photo shoots, just sort of adding all of these different elements. And then I was photographing insects just as a hobby. And I just became so obsessed with ladybugs and photographing butterflies and frogs and these little things that are around us but that we don't see. And I, it wasn't the photography, it was looking at the bugs. So then I created a business around that, photographing bugs. So I had books and calendars and exhibitions all around the world and I was I love photographing my bugs and then eventually I just didn't anymore. What it was like a switch and I just it just wasn't what I wasn't my passion. And I think that sometimes when you get the tortured artist is when people are locked in like a gallery, you're known for something, but then something in you changes and your living suddenly changes and the galleries and all those people are making money off you and with you they don't want you to change but I just engineered my existence so that yeah I've just been lucky in that when I've changed to something else my people have either followed along with me or I've found new people that are passionate about what I am doing and I've been able to keep so to me it always seems very smooth and congruous but it's probably not when I look back Yeah, one minute I'm doing the photography of bugs and then the next minute I'm designing colouring in books and art journals and paints and other things. But to me it all seems like a perfect, perfectly natural arch, but it's not. <laughs> I've even forgotten what your question was. Uh, <laughs> me <talking>. too. Sorry. <laughs> I think you answered it, but I don't know either what it was. So... Uh... As you said, you have done several books, and two of them are coloring books. Whimsical and Wild is one of the coloring books, 
and Whimsical Girls is the other one. And one Whimsical and Wild has um, so it's got pages from my journal, so it's got colour, but you can pull all of the pages out. It's got stickers in there, collage paper, and different types of paper. So you've got paper that's good for pencils, uh, paper that is watercolour paper, craft paper, which is great for some media, like dry media, pastels and colouring pencils. Because mixed media is such a big thing for me and just using lots of different art supplies because my hands and my eyes like the variety. Even when I do my art journals and my books, the pages have different papers because even the same pencil on different paper, as you know, it behaves completely differently and I find that fascinating. Even the way your hand uses it changes on different papers. So the way you hold pencil and use the or whatever it is that you're using Uh, so I like to have as much variety in those art journals as I can and then there's another one that is a guided journal which you could consider a little bit of a coloring book as well but you can draw your own pictures add what you want to it and make it your own because there's enough guidance in there so that if you just want to let go and just have that re- mindful relaxation, you can do that. But if you also feel more creative and you're just using it as a kickstart, you can use the artwork that's there and keep adding more of yourself into it as well. Because I was going to ask you about your relationship to the adult colouring and the that uh, world. Well, it's just such an interesting thing because I've been doing colouring in Well, I never stopped as a child. I've been, because I've been drawing all that time with my work and fashion illustration, it's all different forms of colouring in. And even as photography, I was always drawing out my ideas, adding colour. I went to the School of Colour and Design in Sydney for a couple of years just to learn more about colour. And what I discovered is that I've really got a very highly tuned sense of color or of aesthetic but it was interesting to learn why certain colors work so well together where I've used color intuitively for so long and colors definitely have emotional values and then even combinations of colors have emotional values then learning why some colors work so well together why some colors don't but also how to use any color combination to my advantage like for whatever it was that I was designing or creating. So I just colour for me is so fascinating and important just in daily life <laughs> but especially in my artwork. It just has so much emotional power and it can lift your mood just so much if you tuned into the colours that you're picking or if I'm this morning I did a live broadcast for my Facebook group and one of the pages was bothering me and sometimes you know if you're doing a live thing you've got a bit of pressure on you you've got people watching you and you're trying to do your best and I just knew that the place to start was just I needed to get one of my favourite colours on the page so I just picked a nice blue and I just started with that 
and already you're feeling in a good space because you're watching that colour go down on the page and you're in control of it. You've, it's your friend and then that's where I like to start. Just pick a colour. It doesn't have to be my favourite, the same exact colour every time. Just whatever calls to you in the moment. What do you do? Do you have a favourite? I also so emotional about colours and I don't know. Yes, exactly. I I also do that. I have a page right now I'm not really fond of. It's something missing and I think you're right. It's, it needs some of my favourite colours. Turquoise or yellow. Yeah, so if, if all things are going wrong, just add your favourite colour and at least your favourite colour is there. At least there's that. <laughs> How do you choose colours for a page? This is one way to choose your favourite colour, but... Do you have? Um, it just I, I work very intuitively. I laughingly call it art Reiki um, because I'm not a Reiki master, but I it's I still feel that it still works in the same way. I'm almost listening for the energy. So I've got all of my art supplies. I have them in I call it a hug distance because I like to cuddle. My art supplies are cuddling me, so I have. If they're further than hug distance, there's just no point having them almost because I forget that they're there. I never use them. If there's something I'm not using, I've got to put it in that radius. And if I still don't use it, I have to give it away or sell it or do something because someone, the poor art supply deserves to be happy and I'm never going to use it. So anyway, I have everything in hug distance. And then as I'm, I'm working very intuitively, I guess, and I'm... Um, my eye is, I've trained myself to notice what I notice. So if I'm looking at everything in a particular colour or lilac or turquoise or black or dark brown or grey, I'm trying to notice what my eyes pick up. And very often that is how I'm picking up my colours because that intuitive artist, that it's calling out and like, oh, that would look good. And then I just bring the colour over and compare it to what else I'm working on. And it doesn't really matter what colour you start off with because you everything else is a launching ground. All colours go together. There's always something that goes to, with something because all colours exist. And, yeah, it's only our own personal aesthetic that dictates, oh, which colours look good and which colours don't. And, yeah, see, you can start with any colour and then, you know, just you just keep making decisions as you go. Even if you put two colours together that look terrible, by adding a third colour you can completely change it and make something wonderful. Like I'm just thinking like ugh, brown and orange, but then if you add the right green, suddenly you've got autumn. True. And then it's just a matter of it's just part of that journey of having fun. And you, even if you do the wrong thing and make a mistake or something you feel like it's a mistake, it's just something unexpected happened on the paper. And it's just a matter of remembering what that was. Because if you've got a, a bit of a reaction to something like, ew, that's quite a strong reaction. And you can use that, ew. It grabbed your attention. 
you could use that to your advantage in another artwork. So just um, even try and remember your ew moments. We want those blips. We can maybe use that in something else. I was going to name this episode Trust the Mess. <laughs> Why have I picked that, I think? Well, I'm always uh, saying trust the mess because it's just a way of so many of us have perfectionitis. I think especially women, we are so laden with perfectionitis and doing our best, which is great. This is how the human species evolves. And, of course, we want to do our best. But in art, there's no best. There's no rules. There's no art police. There's no one that's going to come and tell you this, that or the other thing because it's art and creativity. So trusting the mess is just a way of saying you don't have to be perfect. You can make a mess. If you end up with a masterpiece, well done you. That's fabulous. But I don't think that's the purpose of art. The purpose of art is for ourselves so it's just such an experience and such a privilege to be able it's such a gift that you can give yourself and for a creative person I believe everyone is creative um, but for people that are expressing themselves visually so with color coloring art journals whatever it is that you've picked to do it's just so important to incorporate that in your uh, life and in your existence and if you're all perfectionitis about it and too hard on yourself who wants to you know it's just not pleasant so if, if you trust the mess and just know that eventually you'll end up somewhere even if the somewhere is you've just spent half an hour an hour or however long uh, you're lucky enough to be able to spend doing your art if that's the point it's the the outcome is actually doing the art. It's the process. And it's wonderful to have something, a fruit of your labour. But equally, if it's a great big mess, it's the feeling that you have. And you can't enjoy the mess if you don't trust it. So you've got to loosen up and enjoy yourself and not get angsty about everything being perfect. Unless that was, if that makes you happy, then... Pop off, that's perfect, do that. But in my experience, usually we can use a little bit of loosening up. I think you're right because I see so many, and it happens to me as well sometimes, that you feel that I'm not as good as that person, my outcome is not good, and maybe you don't even start a page because you're scared to mess it up or to, you have a beautiful coloring book you don't want to ruin it you you have so much thoughts and scare and comparison and anxiety okay well, that's the same comparison is the thief of joy it's so true you have to just turn off instagram or pinterest start looking at what everyone else is doing once you get beyond the inspirational point if it starts to bother you or you start that negative it's not helping you and it's not a useful tool. So just turn it off and 
just start doing what you and how are you going to get better if you don't the person who's showing their they're not showing all of their messes they're just showing their masterpieces I do tend to show a lot of my messes I must say <laughs> on Instagram and so forth but I I don't think the whole thing has to be a masterpiece. I'm not trying to have my art hung in the Louvre. Uh, it's allowed to be. But it's a fine line sometimes between you need to find inspiration somewhere and not be intimidated. So where do you find inspiration? I get a lot of inspiration from travel, which is very difficult at the moment because we're not allowed to travel and just seeing new things I'm so busy I don't really have a lot of time to look at things like at art and so forth on Instagram or I never look at Pinterest I'm just not a Pinterest person so where do I get my I think it's just from my life and if I do look at Instagram and YouTube I'm looking at a lot of videos about animals I just I love animals <laughs> My Instagram is full of bears doing things and whales and lizards and frogs and <laughs> those sorts of things. So I think a lot of my inspiration just comes from sitting down and doing my art and just that well of being around in the world, I guess. And travel is a good one for me too because I've got time off, I'm not so busy. I'm always doing things. I suppose I do look at a lot of artists, but everything flies past us so quickly now. I'm sort of can't even think of someone, a particular artist, modern artist, that I would say, oh, I like looking at their work all the time because it just there's so much. But maybe old, old art? Uh, Botticelli and Ingres, uh, my absolute favourites. So... The long, weird necks, the beautiful skin, the, both of them have really odd proportions. When you look at them, you think, oh, how beautiful and feminine. But when you look at them closely, the proportions are really weird. The faces are quite whimsical. And the subject matter, the proportions and the way, especially Botticelli, I've, I always feel such privilege when I've seen his work in person. And I just, I can't stop crying. It just makes me bawl my eyes out. It's just such an emotional reaction that I get to that. So that is very influential to me. I, I see that when I'm traveling. I always try and go to art galleries because you just never know what you're going to see and what is going to be interesting to you. And I'm really, like I've said a couple of times, keyed into noticing what I notice. So if I feel my, oh, oh, that looks interesting, another part of my brain is like presses record. Oh, what is she? What, what, what are we? What, what are we noticing? What's going on? What's the? Um, and still trying to be in the moment though. So, yeah, where are my inspirations? Nature. <laughs> you have a beautiful nature around you. Yes. I do, including one loud dog, which luckily she's not barking. And the other one is snoring very loudly, but she's far enough. And you have a beautiful studio? Yes. It's my favourite place in all the world. I feel like Alice in Wonderland or maybe Dorothy on the Yellow Brick Road. Every time I go down there, I walk 
where we placed the studio was in between certain trees so we didn't have to remove them and it's a little winding path and then going up into that studio it's just my own space and I just could turn the lights on put my camera on if that's what I'm doing and uh, I've just got all of my art supplies there and it's just such a happy space for me hours go by and suddenly it's dark outside and I think what happened I love that uh, time travel when you're in the zone it's like time travel right that was one of my questions if you could describe the feeling you have when you are creating if you looked at me when I'm creating and I and I no cameras nothing I'm just doing my thing I'm probably look very serious because even though I'm I'm loving what I'm that I've got that time when I'm creating it's just that whole the whole time I have in my mind oh what will happen if I do this what will happen if I do that what happens next? like oh what happens if I put this color there oh what happens if I Put this, if I put watercolour on top of this, I know you're not meant to do it, but let, what will happen? What will happen? What will happen? And then um, I've sort of gone past the worrying about what will happen. It's more like, ooh, what will happen? Like, I want to see what happens because it's just paper. And if I muck something up, I've got plenty. I've got enough there for three Armageddons if I had to go into self-isolation. So I just, you know... In my beat laboratory, putting down crazy riffs. I'm not a musician. I don't know if I got any of the terminology there right. But, yeah, I'm a scientist in my laboratory, just trying crazy experiments just to see what will happen. And sometimes really cool stuff happens, and that's usually when I share it and like, look what I need. And then I love seeing other people do it and usually – probably better than I've done it, but I've had the initial idea. Who who owns ideas anyway? None of us own ideas. Do you ever lose your mojo? And what do you do then? I had a very, very dear little dog called Tinsel, and she went through a long illness and I, the thing is when you're in it, you're in it and you just don't see it. You're so busy dealing with whatever the loss of mojo is. Sometimes you don't realize it's, you don't realize you're losing your mojo. You just, I just didn't want to create as much because I wanted to spend time with my little dog. But um, the thing with that is it's a, it can be very gradual. And you don't realise it until one day you think, oh, gosh, I haven't. You've got to use some art supply and it's dusty. And you think, hmm, what is going on here? And, it, well, it comes back. Again, I, I travelled. I decided that I I just find travel, it doesn't have to be far away, but uh, I wanted to, I've always been fascinated with ancient Egypt so my little dog was, you know, on her way out, sadly, and we all knew it was coming. But I, I booked this trip for Egypt, and it just, uh, you've got time away, and it, 
you're so busy looking at other things and just getting around another country and dealing with other languages and other people and all of that. So it just takes you right out. And when I got back from that, my mojo sort of started coming back. Oh, they just came back naturally. But I, I just kept doing my art. But I think it came, it took something like grief. It just, it, you've got to be a bit gentle with yourself and know that if you're going through a massive change in your life, whether it's grief, moving, just a big change, even if it's really positive, just a massive change takes a lot of energy and you're limited with how much energy you probably have. But I used my art to help me get through that time, but I wasn't doing it in the same way. But now my, my mojo has snapped back, like, I think even more than before. So it's all, I would say again, if you're going through a mojo loss, just trust, again, trust the mess that it will return. It's just in cycles and it's just you just a time to be gentle with yourself and, you know, work slowly. Don't look at anyone else's work perhaps. <laughs> just take comparison out of it and only use your favourite colours until your mojo returns. <laughs> love it. And what is it about mixed media that you love so much that you... It's the art supplies. I am such an art supply fanatic. I can't even, and I've been this way my entire life. Stationery, paper, paints, uh, just art supplies because it's colour, 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 colour that you can touch and you can move around. And there's just something, I'm looking at my art supplies now, there's just something magical about them. I look at them and I think, oh, I want to play with those things. So mixed media for me is not having rules and not being, I'm a watercolorist or I'm a, I just do acrylic paint or I just do, oh, it's so, I can't, it's just so limiting because they all work together, all of the art supplies, except oil paints, they're a little bit out there on their own. They can be dealt with, but just about everything else can work together. And I just love working at working in layers as well, which with mixed media, that is part of, that's the second most important thing about mixed media is the layers it's because you can just work layer upon layer and everything gets so juicy and nutritious. And, you know, I love watercolour and coloured pencils. So you've got the wildest of, wet media which is watercolor because it just does what it wants to do but sometimes it, it works under advisement but really it has a mind of its own and then you have colored pencils which only do what you tell them they can't do magic on their own you are every stroke is yours with a colored pencil and having the wild watercolors and the strictly controlled although you can do very loose drawing with pencils but you know what i mean they're a a control for me you are the boss of the colored pencils having those two working together oh i just love the feeling of having the different it sort of satisfies two separate parts of my mind i think because we i like to have the control organization and tidiness but also sometimes i'm a bit wild a bit crazy and i just want to do what i want to do and i don't want to have any rules and 
have fun. So I like to be able to mix those things together. And then you've got pastels, which are just pure pigment, really. And they're harder to mix the colours, but they're so easy to build volume with. And then when you mix that with your watercolour and your colour pencils, you can have areas of strict block colour and then go into areas of volume. So you've suddenly got on a page lots happening even before you add in any subject matter. You've got volume and texture and uh, I like my work to have dimension and I like even for people to forget asking, what has she used? What What is that? And just look at the image as a whole or all of the luscious colours. And I have understand that gesso is important in mixed media. It can be. The thing with gesso, and that's the name of my dog, so now she's come running in the room. Uh, gesso, it's so important in mixed media. I have named my dog that. Gesso, acrylic paint has been designed to work on gesso. So gesso will also just give you, you can work on any, you can get clear gesso, white gessos, coloured gessos. It's just, it's an acrylic matte surface that acrylic paint loves. It just behaves itself so well on top of gesso. Um, but you can also use gesso to strengthen up other papers. I love working in vintage books. You can use that. So Instead of creating on a soft, delicate, old, cracking piece of paper, you've bolstered it with gesso, you've given it a new foundation and you're working on that acrylic surface, which is a lot stronger and flexible and not that vintage paper, but you still have that vintage paper. So matte medium is the other thing, like gesso and matte medium, which is clear, and gesso usually is white, um, but they're both foundational things so you can still use colored pencil on gesso and watercolor and other pastels on gesso it's just, it's just another tool another way of adding a good foundation so you can add more and more layers but the surface gets kind of toothy for colored pencils yeah trust the mess <laughs> well it this is what starts to become interesting. So you've got a tool like coloured pencils, which is very exacting and probably the most exacting art supply you can get because you've got a huge range of colours and that you can have access to. You have to mix the colours yourself, like optically mix, and you're controlling it with your hand. It doesn't just run off and do its own thing like watercolour or even acrylic sometimes. But on gesso, you're starting to remove a little bit of the control because, yes, you've got a toothy surface and you've painted it. It's not a toothed surface like a pastel paper that's uniform, that's been done with a machine. It's been done with a hand. So it's adding in a little bit of uncontrol, which can be very good for you. And it, I love drawing on gesso. The other lovely thing about coloured pencils on gesso is you can erase it. And some coloured pencils are a little bit water-soluble. depends on the pigment, are a little bit water-soluble on gesso, which can be terrifying the first time it happens to you. But then you're like, oh, no, okay, I can use this in other ways. So if you're feeling a little bit experimental, then I 
thoroughly suggest even um, markers like alcohol markers on gesso and acrylic paints, but they are a solvent and they will eat away at the gesso. But you can get really cool effects. Just make sure you clean your markers off. Like if you've got uh, like my smooth markers, my alcohol markers or Copics or whatever brand you have, um, just if you've been working in mixed media, make sure you wipe your tips clean because coloured pencil, gesso, acrylics, they can clog up. Just rub it on paper and it's ready for the next time you go to use it. You have done a lot of faces. What are your best uh, tips for uh, coloring faces? Um, coloring faces, if you're really new to it, pastels are just the easiest way to get volume and shading. Pastels is just pigment that you're moving with a usually like a sponge type tool and you can get contouring and texture and dimension very very easily and it gives you a confidence boost even when I've got nervous nieces like 13 year olds who've sort of when we're young we just draw whatever we want and if someone can't see that it's a cat or a rocket ship or a unicorn we look at them and say well you obviously have got terrible eyesight you can't see what I've drawn and then as you get a bit older we start to become more critical and then Usually someone at some point just says you can't draw and then people stop drawing uh, unless they're the one kid in the class who can draw and then they, they're the one who's allowed to keep drawing, um, <laughs> which is a bit sad, I think. So then people start to get very uh, self-critical, but even young girls, it's because it's like putting makeup on. They, even they get and get right into it and can get a lot of joy. The pastels are great. And the next one is... Um, Oh, my biggest tip for, oh, I've got so many videos on YouTube that give you different ideas of where to start and on my website. Um, but let me say, yeah, I would say coloured pencils on acrylic paint. So if you start with a skin-toned acrylic paint, you don't need to paint in every little detail. Just I have a, a, a system I call Slapdash. Uh, I've got it in my latest mermaid book and I've got videos on it in my workshops where I'm just literally slapping down a, a oval and then creating drawing on top of that. But just start off with an art supply that you love and it, it is a little bit of practice. It can be hard to choose uh, colours. Yeah, see, I draw in turquoise and lilac and I rarely start a face with a skin colour and that started because I was videoing myself people couldn't see these light neutrals on the paper and I started using like bright colours and then it turns out that they actually are great for drawing faces because you know we do have reflections of other things and you can always put paint over it and knock it back a bit but it just makes it so much more Interesting, when you look at Toulouse-Lautrec, he's on his um, 
some of his most beautiful paintings. I love his work. He'll have a line of turquoise down one side of the face and a line of vivid cherry red on the other. And when you look at the artwork, you just think, whoa, it almost looks like it's moving. It's got vitality. It's in your peripheral vision. You can almost see the people dancing. And then you turn to see, oh, no, it's still in the same spot. When you look closer, you see all these other weird colours that he's put in there, but when you look at the total, it still looks like skin tone and many masters use really weird colours in faces. So just do weird. What are your favourite ways of shading? Do you have any colour you like to use for shading in the face? Um, I like to use mauves and lilacs because we have that blood under our skin And if you start using greys, it deadens the skin. You don't have grey skin unless you've passed away or you're a zombie, which, same thing, you've passed away. You've come to a tragic end. But sometimes blues can look really good, like a light blue for um, shadow, especially under the nose. But I like to use cool colours because the skin tones are warm. Whether they're light to dark, it's always usually a warm tone our neutral skin flesh colors are usually warm and then with the shadows it's a nice contrast if they're cool so cooler purples lilacs some blues greens can look great too but you got to be a little bit careful if you add shadows that are too warm the person can sometimes look a bit jaundicey so you're adding in too much yellow but maybe you want the person to look jaundicey So, you know, you could use that to your advantage. Uh, so I would, yeah, I like using always in my coloured pencil sets the light Parma Violet in the Prisma colours. used to be my favourite colour and I would just go through those like no one's business. But in my colour set in Magic Wands, there's Feather and Mystic, the two purples that I use all the time. How much do you just sit and look around you at your beautiful storing and material? Probably uh, three hours every day. Sorry, my dog's barking in the background. Um, I do love looking at my art supplies, but I don't. I don't probably don't sit there and stare at them all the time. Maybe if I'm doing some typing, I might be. Oh, I want to go looking at them. Here they are. Um, coloured pencils always there at the ready. And the best thing you can do with your coloured pencils is a good sharpener. Oh, and the other thing I love drawing with lately, I've just bought out one. It's one of the magic pencils that's mixed, got lots of different colours in the lead. Uh, so we call it a rainbow twirl pencil. But I used to have them as a kid, but I've done my own one. And, you know, with the multiple colours inside in the lead. Oh, this I love drawing with those. They has a dimensional quality to them. Uh, but, yeah, any art supply is a good art supply, really. Okay, just a little break here before you'll get Jane Davenport's best tips for how to start art journaling as a beginner to welcome my new patron, Bex Harris. Welcome. I'm so, so happy that you have decided to be a sponsor of this podcast. And uh, if you that are listening also enjoys this podcast and wants to be a sponsor, you can read more on passionistacolorista.com. Go to the menu and click support me. So 
Now back to Jane Davenport and her best tips for how to start art journaling. I believe life is too short for crappy paper. So my number one tip, please choose a journal with nice paper. So I, with my journals, I spend an inordinate amount of time with the paper, getting the paper right. So mine have got, I love the paper in my journals. But whatever your paper choice is, even if you make your own journal, um, having paper that you can do anything on is so freeing and it's uh, just, it means you can have watercolour, you can have acrylic, you can do pencil, whatever it is that you're into. If the paper just can't keep up with you, it's you will feel think it's you or your art suppliers that are letting you down. Very often it's the paper because can't do more than what it's capable of. So start, get good paper. Get that's money always well spent. And um, and by good paper I mean a paper that's just a bit heavier and feels nice when you touch it. You're like, yeah, I'm I love this. The next thing is to just get some colour in there and just start. Sometimes when you've got a, a brand new book, brand new journal, uh, it can be a little bit intimidating, all that white paper. And just remember that it wants to be used. It doesn't want to stay pristine. It wants to get junked up. It wants to get scribbled in. It wants to get painted in. It wants to have paint spotted all over it. Don't worry about it being pristine or anything like that. If that's how it turns out, that's great. But it, the journal wants to be used. You don't have to start at the beginning either. You can turn to the middle and start there. An art journal doesn't have to make sense from A to B. Uh, the other thing I would really recommend is make sure you put the start date in the front, just on the first front page. Just I started this journal on and put the date because 10 years down the track, I, I, I just had to go through this process and try and work out the dates of them, like when I started them. Uh, and it's quite interesting to see your progress and when you're looking back at them, just to know what year it was, when it was that you created that. And, you know, because it is capturing a period of time in your life and there might be a point where you might like to look back at that and go, oh, yeah, that was very interesting. <laughs> Or I'm glad I got better or I'm glad da, 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 things moved on from that. Very often people start journaling when they are going through a change in their lives and to help as a kind of self-therapy to help you get through it and it's tremendously beneficial. And, uh, yeah, so I would say make sure you date it, make sure you have a nice journal and just get some colour down, just get brave and... Even if you just fill the whole journal with colours, backgrounds, you can then you can come back and you can start writing in it or drawing in it or doing both, uh, collecting up quotes, collecting, I don't know, little things from your daily life. Like uh, I just used a sugar packet from a trip to Italy of a fabulous little restaurant that we went to. And it's not so much to remember the name of it, but just to remember... I just, we just had such a great night. Uh, my husband and I at this crazy family Italian restaurant. So putting that in my artwork with the collage was terrific. So you can collage in them. You can add watercolour or paint, pencil, 
just get in there, make it not brand new, and then make a little art date with yourself and do a little bit each day. Do you listen to something when you are creating? If I'm really trying to work something out, I can't have any noise. Even the rustling of the trees is annoying because I'm trying to dig something out of my brain and conjure something up. But once I'm on a roll, I love having music really loud and, you know, whatever is happening on the radio or on my little playlist or whatever, whatever music I'm listening to at the time. Uh, but I have to be on a roll to... For the music to be nice. Otherwise, I like silence while I'm working things out. Your stationary addiction started, or love, passion started early, you said. Do you remember how it started? My dad went on a business trip to Singapore and he bought back, it seemed like a manjillion little things And one of the little things that he brought back was because, you know, we you have Christmas once a year and your birthday and that's when you get a present. And, but he went away on this trip, came back, and he had all of these little, like a suitcase full of little cheap little things that he got. And one of them was a tiny little stationery set, sort of like Holly Hobby, and it was very that fashion at the time. And you would open up this little box And inside were little tiny, tiny pencils, a little tiny eraser, a little tiny bookmark and a tiny sharpener. And I just thought, who could even make such? It was so pretty. I still have it. I still have it. And then I just was so fascinated with the design of it, like how it all went together and that it was useful as well. And I just have an appreciation of design when you can see someone has really thought about the box and then what's in it and how they work together and, you know, they are actually useful as well. So then I uh, went through a phase of collecting erasers. I actually have my eraser collection. I still have it. It was one of the biggest in the world at the time. I was just crazy about erasers. So I have... Star Wars figures as erasers, Cabbage Patch dolls, oh, just the weirdest things, fish, every kind of animal you can imagine as an eraser. And then people would collect them for me because they were just, you know, cute little cheap things. So I've, I just had this massive eraser collection and I've just put out my own set of erasers, my first set of erasers. Some of the things I'm most excited about is they're just erasers. But they look like little books I've done them so they look like my like the Beautiful Faces book you've got and they're all cute colours and oh, I have fun. So the design of the thing and that you get to use these beautiful thought-out thing designs. I just, oh, I just love them. I just love stationery and I love – stationery is usually designed by people who love stationery. It's like if you buy a handbag and you're like, this person gets what a handbag is all about. And sometimes you get a handbag and it's just so impractical. It's just you think the person that designed this has never used a handbag. I, you can't get your hand in it. It just doesn't work. So I like that I put so much effort into when I'm designing things so that they work easily, so that you just feel happy when you're using it. And you think, oh, this is, this is good. I'm good. I'm going to do some art. 
because I sometimes feel ashamed that I can't stop buying new things because when I see something that I don't have and I just I just must have it. <laughs> well, that's what we're into. Everyone's like that with whatever they're into. That's we're lucky that it's art supplies and not fancy shoes or diamonds. True, true. It could true. be worse. It true. could be a lot worse. <laughs> Art supplies, at least they're useful and they make us happy and they, it's not just a thing you buy and never get any joy from. You buy it and then you get the joy. So you get double joy. True, true. The people that are inspired by you, what are they telling you? I get so much joy. I get a lot of just people who have found their freedom or found their mojo again. Just discovering that you don't have to be perfect straight away with no practice. Especially with drawing, we think that we should be amazing at it immediately, otherwise you're not allowed to do it, and it's just ridiculous. So just people that feel just so happy to be that easy feeling of being creative and taking that time and giving themselves permission to actually enjoy that part of their life and to not feel guilty about art supplies. Like you said, sometimes we feel bad because you have to have all the art supplies. I mean, we are birds of a feather and we don't have to feel ashamed <laughs> with our love of art supplies and colours. It's an accepting world. That's what I say. Social media is so cool. Like you really do get to know people's faces and and not their whole lives. We can come to each other as artists and I can just see the, the creative side of someone's self and everyone has dramas and tragedies and, and things that go on in their lives at different points. But the constant can be that creativity. So whether your mojo is on the up and up or taking a little break, or in cruise mode, as long as we just keep feeding it gently and just keeping that creative part, because it's part of what makes us happy and part of what, what, what makes us us, our creativity. Without it, we're not happy. And if you're not expressing that creativity intentionally, sometimes it can come out in uh, negative ways because you're bottled up. And if you're journaling and colouring and creating, you're unburdening and yourself all the time, whether it feels like that or not. You're relaxing that part, that anxious part of your mind that can get very caught up. And just take that moment just to be yourself, really. Just a quiet moment. Thank you so, so much, Jane, for taking your time to participate in the podcast. It was so lovely talking to you. And so lovely talking to you, Isabel. I hope everyone's doing lots of colouring while we're talking. I hope so. I always understand and listen better if I'm being creative, colouring or drawing while I'm listening. Exactly. Thank you, everyone, that have been listening and maybe colouring while listening. And uh, goodbye. Bye. <laughs>